Hi friends, welcome to Mouse Party. It is Kirk Henderson, and for those listening on the recording, it is a little before 10 p.m. on Saturday, January 7th. I'm recording right after the game because I didn't really want to record with Josh since we're going to record tomorrow night after the Mavericks hopefully beat the Oklahoma City Thunder. The Dallas Mavericks defeated the New Orleans Pelicans 127 to 117. Uh, and what was a game that was a little weird? Um, obviously, the Mavericks winning is good. They held a consistent 20 point lead, basically 15 to 20 point lead from the first quarter on. And yet, somehow, if you look at the quarter by quarter breakdown, they won the first quarter 34 to 15, then lost the next three quarters, uh, which the math of that doesn't entirely make sense. Uh, it, it's really weird. They lost by two in the second, by one in the third, and by six in the fourth. It was really, really peculiar. Um, kind of a thorough Luka Doncic game, a little bit of everything. Got his ninth technical of the season. Uh, had some pretty frustrating turnovers, but also probably one of the more disrespectful alley-oops I've ever seen in a game. Uh, we had a, a Jaden Hardy sighting in the second quarter. He got a lot of burn, 31. No, that's Tim Hardaway. He got a, a lot of minutes. He played, let's see here, 21 minutes, which is probably his season high. Uh, he's only played about 120-ish minutes on the year. Um scored real well he hit one three early and then basically attacked the rim with with a really nice mix of moves throughout the game i i found myself just very pleased watching him uh defense is a little lacking don't mind that though because really watching him for defense uh but yeah we got some people that want to come in here and talk let's uh let's enjoy that win i'm i'm you know i, I wrote a bit about how i found myself surprised that the Pelicans more or less threw away this one when they opted to sit uh, CJ McCollum. And then they had a couple of other people. It's, you know, obviously Zion's out and Ingram's out, but I, I just found myself surprised because division wins matter. Uh, they only have, I think, a one game lead on the Mavericks at this point, And this, there's too many games left to be doing this sort of thing. The, the Southwest division is still up for grabs. Um, Let's see here. Who's up first, and we'll, uh, we'll we'll enjoy ourselves. So up first, I'm calling up Ray. Don't know if I've had Ray up here before. Welcome to the show, Ray. What's going on? Hey, Kirk. How you doing? Can you hear me? I can. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, so tonight was a great night, actually. Uh, my brother got us some tickets, like, four rows behind the Pelicans bench. So I got the opportunity to meet Swin Cash. Awesome. So meeting an NBA uh, or a basketball Hall of Famer is always a cool opportunity. Uh, I went to the Celtics game on Thursday, and all I have to say is that Jaden Hardy needs to get some more playing time because the last couple of games, like the, just that burst of energy on the court, it makes so much of a difference. So uh, party, party. I'm all for it. One of my one of my friends, Jazz, said she's looking forward to seeing uh, Josh Green and Jaden Hardy play a little bit together because these younger guys want to go. And I think pairing Luca with players that want to run will force Luca to move his ass a little bit more. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to, to that effect. I, I I will say, like the thing that I enjoyed about Hardy tonight was the kind of consistency of attack. 
the shots went down, which is obviously important, but for a guy this young and with this, you know, he played in the G league last year and frankly struggled, you know, skin on the, on the broadcast talked about how people only looked at his numbers. Well, no, his game also, he didn't really, he struggled last year and that's okay. But learning how to finish through contact is extraordinarily difficult. I, I can't emphasize that enough because at the NBA level, the refs let a lot of contact go. So being able to be willing and able to continuously drive, you know, it, it is is very valuable. Uh, and I think for the Mavericks, having another player who can attack off the dribble is something that could pay off the season goes along because you know you know you don't see Reggie putting on the floor too much. Josh Green obviously does. Dorian Finney-Smith does. To he's a great straight line driver, but he's not exactly one to use like mixes of speed when attacking the rim. And that was one of the things I really liked uh, about Hardy. He had a a hesitation move that I wrote about and tweeted about that, that got past Herb Jones that had the bench just like standing up. And that was, that was fun. Um, I'm not, you know, going nuts. My friend Austin said that, that Hardy's the second coming of Roddy Bobois, which made me like cackle. Cause it's just like, <laughs> can we have a, can everybody relax, but whatever it's supposed to be fun. And if you had fun, I'm glad you did. All right. Coming up next is my man, Mr. Douglas. How are you doing this evening? Hey, what's up? Welcome back. Yes, man. Good hearty party. Happy for the kid. Yeah, it was good. It was good to see him in a post game interview. You can tell that you know that he's excited and. He's- what did he do? I didn't see it. Tell me about it. Because like when I got, a, I had to write tonight, so I basically turned off the game immediately. Because I've get that stuff, then I don't get my my content up for like half an hour. No, you know, Skin we were just talking to him about his opportunity. He just saying, you know, staying ready. You know, giving credit to. Dispense and Luke and them guys, but you can just tell by the interview. Like sometimes we forget that these guys are young. He's only twenty years old. You can tell yeah. that, you know, he was still like nervous during the interview, like because these moments hasn't really he hasn't really had these moments in his life so far. So you know, you can tell that he was nervous, but he was he was. I was happy for him, man. I'm happy for you know the energy he brings, the excitement he brings to the court. So that was that was that was good to see tonight. Uh, I love the remit of of his minutes. Yeah, but, I, um, I hope um, he I hope he gets more minutes. And I found it odd at first. Didn't he play with Frank in the first half? No, no, no. So the funny thing is, you know how Jake was like, oh, he's going to be like the first mm-hmm. one off the bench? He's like the 11th guy off the bench. <laughs> Still. Yeah. Right. I saw that one. I saw <laughs> that one. Most of was like all the mass media people was like, ask, like re-quoting the, all his, his comments on Twitter. And I'm like, yeah, he's going to get minutes. He's going to get the minutes with the first group. And he's the 11th guy off the bench. I'm like, come on, Jake. Like, what more you from Frank? We've seen it all already from Frank. We've seen it from Bullock already. Like, get the kid in there. Let him do his thing. Yeah. And the combination with him and Green being so electric and, like, kind of, like, go after it, you know, attack the rim, attack the basket, the energy, that's going to be good if they get, you know, some significant minutes with the starters. So, Well, the free throw thing is one of the things that's really helping Dallas as these games wear on. I mean, the Mavericks shot 38 free throws tonight. 38. Now, Luca's obviously the pace setter for that because he's getting into the paint and drawing fouls, but then Wood is feasting a little bit, then Woody's feasting a little bit. And if the Mavericks are going to stro- – like, they obviously didn't struggle from three tonight at 13 to 29, but getting to the line, it pays off for everybody at a certain point. It's nice. Yeah, and it's like – you see how Luca just start off the game kind of slow and then he finished. You're like, wow, this is this so easy for Luca. It's kind of like, you know, he takes the first few minutes, he he's decides, like, am I going to be that guy to attack? Am I going to defer? see what the defense is doing, and then he just picked them apart for the rest of the game. But the last thing I want to say is a Christian Wood, right? 
True. He's balling out. Like, I don't know exactly what we're going to do. If we're going to re-sign him, trade him, whatever the case may be. But I look at it as if he decides to go the free agent route and go to another team and he gets paid by another team, you know, he's going to get paid. But the quality of looks that he's getting playing with Luka, the wide open shots, the efficiency, the high percentage look, he's not going to be, it's not going to be that easy for him for whatever team he goes to. So it's like, you got to take that into consideration too with the team you're going to go, you're going to go to and the money you're going to be getting paid. Like, are you going to be having fun? Are you going to, are you going to be wide open? Are you going to get an alley oops that, you know, that you score 20 points in 23 minutes for that foul trouble. That just says a lot of about how you're being set up and the quality of looks you're getting. Playing. Sure. You know what I'm and, saying? And other teams recognize that. Like, Lucas exactly. scoring is in is aided in no small part because Christian Wood exists. We have to we have to ha- you know acknowledge that. But Wood is also getting unbelievable looks because of Luca, and other teams know this. There, it, it's not like this is happening in a vacuum. You know that's why we were all crow- crowing for for these two to play together because it just made a lot of offensive sense. And so it's like the you know, peanut butter and jelly work together. And, and I, I don't, you know, as they called it vanilla and chocolate fudge, but it's, I, it's why I found sort of like the contract discussion. So interesting because it's, it's a, is he, who's going to give him the max to go play with not Luca. I'm just not worried about that at this point. I also think like, it's not in mm-hmm. his best interest to go sign a contract right now with the Mavericks and extension. Like, Go see, you know, test the market. And if Mavericks and if the Mavericks have to pay him like a million and a half more and they decide to keep him, that is what it is. It's the difference between, you know, somebody throwing like 25 million at him versus 19. And I just, I don't know. At the moment, I don't see that happening. He, he's, he doesn't, you know, he's very, very good. Yeah. He also doesn't have the, he hasn't had the big games against the big teams where Luca's having a bad game. It's not like he's like he hasn't strapped right. the Mavericks to his back and carried them, you know. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah, he still have those moments when he, you know, he goes against small defenders or he have those, you know, those offensive fouls and those turnovers mm-hmm. trying to post up. You know, he still have those yeah. moments, but like you said, I, yeah, you're right. It, it's more. I think it's more. The ball is more in Christian court, in Christian Woods, and he court seems right happy. Now. I don't think the yeah, he seems happy. So the Mavericks are gonna be like, "This is the happiest you've been." Is the best player you've played with. Right. Look, at the, look at the quality looks again and look, look at your efficiency. Look at your score. And like, why would you want to leave this to go somewhere else? Well, you have to deal with a rocket situation again. Or deal with a deal. Right. Like, so it's mostly in the Mavericks table right now. So it's kind of like, all you got to do is make the offer if they want to extend them. Whatever he decides to do, that's on him. But he seems happy, you know, and it seems like he's happy. Hardy is happy. And just, just keep going. Just give the kids minutes, let them run, and let them do their thing, man. You know what I'm saying? So. Yep. Thank you, man. It was a good game. All right. Talk soon. Have a good one. Yeah. Bye. All right. See some interesting chatter in the chat that I want to at least acknowledge because there's been we're so Monday is a month out from the trade deadline. So we're going to see a lot of stuff soon. The Mavericks, that's one of the parts that I actually like about this new front office. The Mavericks are now included in like every trade option, whereas in years past with Donnie, the Mavericks were just never included in any chatter. Like, that's no fun. We all want to be able to talk about stuff. And now the the Mavericks have been like looped in. Uh, Eric Pincus of Bleacher Report said the Mavericks would, you know, in order to get Boyan Bogdanovich, they would have to give, you know, probably send away a bad contract in a first round pick. So a bad contract, meaning like Davis Bertans and a first round pick. And the earliest one they can trade is a 2027. Uh, I don't think they do that. Boyan Bogdanovich is 33 years old. Does he add to your defense at all? No. Like Luca and Boyan 
would be really fun on offense and really hilarious on defense. I just don't think the matter. Like, I just don't see them doing that. Not to mention there's like, like this guy, Sam Quinn of CBS had a really, I normally don't like his takes, but he had a really funny and smart take. I thought on Twitter today where he said, it feels like everyone is pushing the Mavericks to make a panic trade. Why the hell is the fourth seed in the West making a panic trade? Somebody's going to have to explain that one to me. Um, anyways. So if we want to talk about that stuff, we're happy to talk about that stuff. I am. Uh, yeah. So Adam in the chat says the Mavs should do it. You could trade Boyan later on for a first. Well, he's in the last year of his contract. So you can't do that. I don't think. Um, all right. Up next, my man, Micah. What's up, man? How you doing tonight? Man, I'm, I'm doing great. Kirk is uh, it's a good win. It's just, um, it's still hilarious to me because it's especially uh, in your DMs. It's like Luca will always be Luca, but the amount of if these two role players don't completely piss down their leg, they're basically unbeatable stats. Yeah, it's really mind-boggling. It's, I mean, Tim Hardaway kind of secretly won us that game with those two threes in the middle of the fourth quarter when things got a little too close for comfort. Yeah. Well, you know, I'll take the win. Right. Like I, I'm just past the point of caring. You know, you get blown out by Boston. You're happy about Boston. You come and beat a, a, like a, a Pelicans team, which is a little, little iffy at the moment. Everybody's a little iffy. I mean, the Mavericks are winning. They've won eight out of nine, missing two of their best defenders. Well, all three of their best defenders, but I'm just still of the boat that Maxie's not coming back. So all these sort of wins just feel like really at like. Well, I I tweeted in like early December that the Mavericks are going to end up as like a number one seed in the West at some point, and I'm going to be reconciling with the fact that I think they're worse than last year. Like that's just basketball's weird this year in the Western Conference. Right. It is so weird. Like, look, I mean. The teams that anybody was saying would be like, oh, these are far and above. Like, look, the Warriors are getting their backs blown out by Orlando right now. <laughs> I mean, um, uh, Phoenix is a – that has to be the most hilarious thing ever. The Mavericks broke is the owner of, of the yeah. They were there were actually Phoenix fans that were lying themselves into believing that they could get KD with any package that doesn't contain Devin Booker. Right. Watch that team and tell me you believe that again. <laughs> they are so bad without Devin Booker. And That's crazy. So it's real wonky out west. It's um it, it's it's so weird. It's wonky out east too. You couldn't convince me that Charlotte was going to put seven five points on Milwaukee and a half, mm-hmm. and that uh, Giannis was going to have nine points. Like that's something that's not on my bingo card. So I mean, I'm having kind of like, The game to game stuff has been a little bit difficult for me because it always is for me because I like overreacting and reacting to various stuff like the big picture of the season as a whole has been really fun not just the Mavericks but like the the NBA because you don't you know everybody came in expecting the Timberwolves to be a very good regular season team and they have been unmitigated ass and and it's just you go through this western conference 
That is exactly what I thought. I thought that they would be like a top four seed and fall apart in the playoffs. And it just, um, all those problems that I thought would show up in the playoffs are actually rearing their head in the regular season. And, and I, I look ahead at the the, like right. the, the, the teams ahead of us. I do think a, a full strength Pelicans actually causes this Mavericks a whole lot of problems. I mean, Zion is the horrifying, but you know, at, at what point do you stop saying at yeah. full strength when a team is never at full strength? Like, the the thing that vexes the re- they're never go ahead the Clippers yeah the Clippers at full strength are a, a nightmare sure. but when are they going to be at full strength yeah. never I agree <laughs> we've done this for four years now part of what what really vexes part of what really vexes like the true Hooper crowd the real Hooper crowd out there about both uh, Jokic and and Luca is that the guys just play a lot. You know, Jokic never misses games. Luka is is getting to this point. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they sat him tomorrow night after he took that tumble into the chair. But it, it's like being able to play matters. And, it, you know, it, it's reflected in, in the stats. Like the, the Mavericks are 16 and 6 at home. And they're, they're 17 and 6 in the conference. Like there's a, there's a case to be made that just by rolling out these same dudes each and every night, even if we're kind of tired of watching half of them, that they're just – I, I really do think they might end up as the number one seed at some point in time, just because the West is so weird. Right. And, um, I mean, shout out to my guy, Chris Barnett, because uh, he didn't break that. It's talking about, you go through Dallas's roster two through 11, you're like, how many, t- how many games does this team win without Luka? And then, Everybody basically can see it. Uh, maybe fifteen, maybe twenty. So how is he not MVP? Sure. I mean, that's a question that's got to be asked. Well, I mean, if he like my sort of my sort of uh, I, I attached. You know, we're getting way off game topic, but I don't really care. It's it's this is our space. We're allowed to talk about whatever you guys want. I sort of tied the Luca MVP vote to the Mavericks being top three in the West. And I didn't, I had a hard time envisioning them being top three in the West, but I mean, right now they're a hat, they're a game out of being top three in the West. <laughs> in the West, it's insane. Oh God, it is so wild. It's fun. Cause this roster, this roster is constructed so bad. Like <laughs> it's, it, it's insane. I don't know. It's so weird, but it's so fun. At the same time, seeing all this offensive off the chain just wild stuff. I love, well, I mean, I love the offense. Like, I don't know what will happen in the playoffs with the Mavs. So but I, I prefer, like, regular season stuff. You know, I, I became a huge Mavs fan in, like, 2000. And those early Nelly years were so fucking fun. Right. And it, it's just, I love stuff like this. Oh, yeah, they were so fun. They were so fucking fun, like. From like ninety nine to oh three, I guess was his run. Yeah, but yeah, and it's just like people are trying to figure out what the whole offensive explosion is, and it's just like it's easy. Like there's never been spacing like this before. You just thinking like if you just go back ten years ago, what guys over six ten were a threat from the perimeter outside of Dirk and Katie? Yeah. Right. Wait, you look at now. Okay, what team doesn't have a couple of guys over that size third threat from the perimeter that you got to account for? I think that has 
not as much as overall talent increasing, but as far as a talent from the power forward and center uh, position is just overall got better. Yep. Well, I appreciate you hanging out with us as always. All right, Kurt. Have a good night, brother. Yep, we'll talk soon. Um, I'm seeing on the Mavs Moneyball recap, one of our longtime commenters shared Jaden Hardy's draft profile from nbadraft.net, which is by far the worst draft profile site in existence. (laughs) It's just the oldest one. It's such a bad website. Oh, well, whatever. Okay, coming up uh, next, my man from across the planet, Mr. Ishan. What's going on? What's up? What's up? What a win. Firstly, for draft websites, if anyone has a better suggestion, I always use 24-7 sports. Uh, but again, I don't know if there's a better thing. I just oh, love there's the... lots. I mean, it's like nbadraft.net. So I'm going to know this because you and I talk offline. Yes. nbadraft.net was one of the ones that got like an early domain name in like the late 90s. <clears throat> and because it has, you know, NBA draft, it, it gets in all the algorithms. It gets it's but it is a terrible website. If you go back and look at some of their like the uh, in, in like the Wayback Machine during like Luca's year, they they had him at like sixth at one point. And it's it, it was just you know that's that's this is the right. site that had um, Deshaun Stevenson's comp as Michael Jordan. Um, I think they're also the ones who had jo- uh, Andrew Wiggins' comp. Yeah, as just Michael hysterical Jordan. stuff. Like it's a it's a garbo draft side. I mean, for base level stuff, it's fine. It's just like the rankings of individual players. They're usually way off from other consensus stuff. Now, as we all know, consensus doesn't mean shit because you got to get in the league and then, you know, blow the, and that's all that really matters. But um, that sort of stuff just made me laugh. So what you thinking today? So, I mean, like I always try to take optimism from games, but today, I mean, I love the game. It was fun to watch Jaden Hardy balled out. But there are, like, again, I think we're a fan base that gets carried away Everybody does. Why would you not? He looked uh, great. I don't bl- – I just, like, I, I yelled at well, – I told you this. I was yelling at one of my friends who was, like, he's going to score 25 points a game in a few years. I'm, like, I, I can't I can't right now. I agree with you. <laughs> I All I'm saying is pushing for him to be, like, a regular starter that this year. Like, those it. lineup the, – the Luca, Hardy, Green, Wood – Kleber, all those dream lineups, I just don't think they're realistic this year. Because he's still a rookie. Like, rookies have good moments. Like, let's not forget, he was very recently benched almost completely so that kid could play McKinley right instead. I mean, he has moments. He has peaks and troughs. He's a rookie. He should get minutes. Give him 15 to 20 minutes every game. That, I think, is undisputed. But, like, let's chill on, like, we need him to start Especially, I know Spence is in a bit of a cold spell right now. But relatively speaking, throughout his Mavs career, he's been one of the most consistent players that we've had. So let's not like let let's let's pump the brakes on that. Even well, though push the Josh Green agenda as much as you want. Well, I mean, so so let's break. One of the things that I always try to do is think about the season in in quarters, where first twenty games, second twenty games, et cetera, et cetera. We're just, I think this was the 40th game. Yeah, 40th game tonight. So if by game 55, if Jaden Hardy is getting 15 minutes a night, like right now he's played, how many games? This is his 13th game he's played. 
and he's averaging a like eight minutes when he plays. If they could double that by game 60, 15 minutes, and maybe say he only plays in 12 or 13 of the next few games. I'm trying to set like low bar expectations here. That is something I would like. I don't have like the way kid coaches. I, I, I would, I would, yeah, love the that way too. kid coaches, the way every NBA coach plays, you're just not putting second round rookie guy into the regular minutes thing. I know we want that because we're all tired it's, of Reggie, especially when you are competing for a top right. seed, especially then. Like, it's not like we're a mid to low tier team yeah. right now. Like, we're one of the best. I think uh, we are, we have a top 10 record in the NBA. Which this season, I think, means a lot because there are so many teams in the running. Well, and and the thing about it is, is that for for these sorts of things, we're never going to be as patient, or we're never going to be patient with the coach or the player. It's it's just the way that expect fan expectations work. But anything to me is sort of better than nothing. And as I think, they're playing Hardaway and Reggie. You know, they play, it's like they're trying to play Reggie out of a funk. I don't really have any new thoughts about Reggie that anyone hasn't already said, but I feel like they're playing Reggie to maybe try to move him at this point. And so if they move either one of those guys, meaning Hardaway, Reggie, then yeah, uh, Hardy's going to, then you're going to get more minutes. Like that's where this stuff is going to come from. But in the short term, I just, I think they I have see. small step expectations. It's almost like circuits, you know, I, I want to go through the calendar with a bit of a fine tooth comb and see if there are specific games like this one that, you know, you look at the opponent playing second night of a back-to-back, maybe potentially resting guys. You look at the Mavericks needing to play more minutes. I mean, if Luka happens to sit, then I think we're going to get a lot more Hardy tomorrow night. And that's the sort of stuff that I'm doing for Hardy. Uh, and it'll be, it'll be really fun. It'll be really fun to see that. I do think Hardy's utility, one of the main things is that he's just – He's a very dynamic player. Like the Pelicans, one of the reasons why he was just killing them on drives is that a lot of the times they were expecting mm. him to shoot. So I think, I think that there is this like air of they don't know what to do with Hardy and what he exactly brings to the court, and that sort of like you know just keeping the opponents guessing because they're all already always guessing with what Luke is going to do. Yeah. So now yeah. you have two of these really like players that you really don't know what they're what they what they're going to go into i think that sort of versatility on the court especially on a team on a team like the mavs that scrambles defenses basically every possession i think that that value is there so to get more out of hardy we need to ensure that he's not just a bench player in the sense we need him to get minutes alongside luka because i think like that's just the optimal strategy for everyone on the mavs like if you're mm-hmm. with luka you're going to be better sure so yeah, I just, again, I hope we don't put too much on him too soon because he is a rookie. You're seeing what hap- what's happening with a lottery pick and Scotty Barnes in his sophomore year right now. That's, like, a, good, that's a good point. I like that. Young players young players are, can be a little more temperamental. Their swings can be a little more extreme. So that's the thing. Like Right now we're calling for him and I just know it that there'll be a game where he play 30 minutes the Mavs will have another second half uh, fall apart and Hardy might not be shooting well and a lot of the knives will come out. Like, that's just the nature of Mavs Twitter, basketball Twitter in general. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, having, it's having a good time with this. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I'm just, 
big picture delighted. I cannot believe that the the friggin' Pelicans seeded a division game. If they were to beat the Mavericks tonight, they would have had a 2-0 lead on the Mavericks in the division. And division stuff matters. Yep. It's like, especially, especially with seeding. Yeah. And these teams are too tight. Just watch. It's, the, the, the Mavericks are like... I mean, that's how you get a 55 team being the seventh seed in the West. I, for, I, I forget which year it was. I think it was the Spurs that were behind us and someone else in the division that year. And they were like a 55 and 6 seed. So, yeah. I don't think I, I think maybe just a few teams in the West actually can crack 50. Like this is seeming to be a lot more of a 500 conference right now. So like, I mean, you hope like that teams just are going to figure it out so that like we all know what, what we can expect through the rest of the year. But it's just so confusing right now. I can't believe we're top four. That one stretch of just beating bad teams, like, I hope the Mavs realize the importance of not fumbling those games now. Yeah, because well, I, I mean, think Luke in particular, it, it was, it was, it was I, I, that run. I think was motivated by Luca realizing that. Like, I keep blowing these games, and this time we don't even have most of the team with us. Mm-hmm. So if you blow them, like, you're digging yourself into a hole that you only have to climb out of because most of your team's injured. So he made the most of those seven games. Good win today. Tomorrow's going to be tricky. OKC is never easy to play. They're, they didn't have a back-to-back. And they just, like, they're on a great run right now. I think they lost their last game. But otherwise, they've, they've been really solid. And we already lost to them. We blew a lead to them. Yeah. That, that game is still, like, apart from the early season loss to the Pelicans and the Magic, that game is, like, one it's the angriest I've been. Like this year, even the Bucks game, I thought we were never like we never should have been in the position that we were in, yeah. where we were just like Dwight and Max. He were just ruining Giannis's night in the first half, and then he went like ninety percent from the field in the second. But that OKC sixteen points just gone in the matter of three and a half minutes. Jeez, that was an ugly loss. <laughs> that was that was. Well, thank you for hopping on today. Thank you for having me. We'll talk soon. All right, and everybody just, you know, mark your calendars because we have an early game tomorrow, 6 p.m. local start time, which for Sean means like 2.30 in the morning, so we'll catch him on the flip side. Krishna, how are you doing? Kirk, I'm doing good. I wanted to be there for the Celtics thing, but... I No, that was like a 20-minute one where it was like, ah, why are we... Yeah, I saw that. I saw (laughs) It it was like, I don't know what anyone was expecting. Like, I went on Twitter and I diluted my brain thinking like, oh, we can beat the Celtics. And then I watched like 10 minutes and I was like, no, this is is not happening. Mm -hmm. Jason Tatum's not even playing that efficient. They're whacking us. Like it shows the golf and quality. And that's not a bad thing. Like I, I think it's okay to be like realistic sometimes about the team, but I think there's also like positive things about the team, right? Like we've talked about all season, like Luca is, Luca's awesome. It's it's really cool to have a top five player in the league on your team. That's to, right. To watch pretty much day in and day out. It's not very. Uh, it's pretty rare to have that. I mean, like you can go to a lot of other franchises. Not many franchises can say they've had a top five player. On That's their right. Team ever. So it's uh, it's really cool to see. Yeah, and on, on the Jaden Hardy stuff, like yeah, it's cool. He's getting minutes. Um, I always felt like, and I kind of put it in the chat. I think he has first round talent. But he has all the deficiencies that make sense why he goes in the second round. Sure. Like, it makes sense, the G League stuff, 
But also, if you think about him as a player, he's not like a, he's not a top tier talent like a Scoot or a Victor, right? Or even a Jalen Green, who can kind of overcome any of the deficiencies of a team because they just have so much athleticism, or you know, finesse in the case of someone like Victor. Whereas Jaden Hardy kind of doesn't have that. He does need players that are a little bit better, right? That are a little more cohesive. And so I, I don't think he ever kind of overcame that in the G League. Because um, if you look at the players around him, there weren't really any threats to shoot. And, you know, while we complained about this Mavericks team, there's a little bit more threat to shoot on this Mavericks team than I would hope the G League Ignite team, um, which helps him. And I'm not saying, like, he needs to get 20, 25 minutes. I'm saying, like, when you're in an instance where you have an opportunity to play him, play him over someone like Frank for a yeah. little bit, play him yeah. over someone like McKinley, Wright Because you want to develop him. Like you don't always want to put him to the fire. Like I'm not saying like put him in a, a, a Denver Nuggets game where you're like, you're, you're up by five. Like, of course that's like a ridiculous situation, but you know, when you're playing a shorthanded team and you have that opportunity, you see what he does because he has talent. Like I don't think anyone's going to sit here and say he doesn't have talent. Well, Kid apparently in the post game just now um, said, and I'm, I'm reading from uh, the homie Grant Assets Twitter of DallasBasketball.com. Kid said something to the, or he said, you know, you, you look at the carryover from the Celtics game. What he did tonight was really, really good. We've got to keep stacking that positivity and keep him on the floor, give him more minutes, hopefully tomorrow. There is consideration in who they're playing him with. So I, it's like sometimes I feel like what Kid does is put him in these these situations that are a little bit difficult. It's like, I. I yeah, I mean, like, you, you saw it so much earlier in the season, right? Like, the Chicago game, he's playing with, like, JaVale and, like, who 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 else God knows what. And I was like, Hardy is a good player, but he's just not good enough to overcome the circumstances around him. Mm-hmm. That's what I felt like was one of the issues with him on the G League was he's a good player, but he's not a good enough player to overcome the circumstances around him, Right. Like, if you look at the reason he was so dominant in high school is, you know, high school is a different level. And he had a lot more athleticism than guys in high school. But you step up to the G League, like, yeah, we can talk about the G League is not, like, super competitive, but it's still adults. Like, it's still guys who are grown men, who have played basketball longer, who are far more experienced. And so when you take up that bump in athleticism and a team that's not really built around him, like his high school team is – built around him to fit him and make him play to the best. Of well, I mean, ability. the physical differences in high school usually make like a massive difference. I've been going exactly where, and- where I live here out in Garland. I live near Richardson and Lake Highlands are two of the best teams in the state and watching six, a level high school basketball is one thing. And then I went down and then I went up the road a couple of days ago or no, it was last night to go watch my, uh, my high school team, which is also six, a play. It was like Capel versus Hebron. And it was two 6A games that I saw within a couple of weeks of each other. And it was like basketball from different planets. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> and it's uh, like, uh, like Hardy was a, spe- Hardy, you know, he, he's 6'3, he's 200 pounds. He is a physical specimen. He's not the most athletic guy on the planet, but he, he was always a big, yeah. he was bigger for, for a, a significant portion of his life. And then when his peers started catching up with him and his athleticism was no longer like the, you know, the creme de la creme. It, it the game got more difficult for him. Now, the fact that he has adjusted his game and figured out how to finish is just 
unbelievably impressive to me. Um, I mean, yeah, and, and I think – oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut okay. you off. I just mean to say, like, also he has a – you know, we talked about with Dwight. He has a positive wingspan. That also, like, well, that's you. I mean, helps. that's been something that the Mavericks – like, I feel like the Mavericks never had plus wingspan guys. Oh, and now God. they have all these guys with, like, arm length because I was sort of surprised that they got Hardy because Hardy's, like, one of their shortest players. But he has, like, a six – I think he has, like, a six five or six six wingspan. And, like, that was what, what mm-hmm. really hurt Dennis Smith. Dennis Smith was six foot tall with a six-foot wingspan. Like that stuff just adds up yeah. over the the life of your career. Like what Donovan Mitchell is a six two guy with a six nine or six ten wingspan. That's, that stuff just it, it, it increases insane, it increases elements of your game defense. It it it's it makes up for athleticism in certain areas. It's just very important. Like being a you know we're gonna watch like like the uh, I, I babble about the Thompson twins a lot because I follow like high school recruiting and stuff just because of some of my friends that I cover basketball mm-hmm. with and like those guys are like unbelievable terrifying athletes but most of the guy it's like the the gaps in athleticism in the nba can really be all over the place and the mavericks just have never had you know we just haven't had a lot of athletes on the team ever and a, a guy like yeah, hardy who is not sure. a super impressive athlete still looks really good <laughs> compared to some of the guys that we have and I mean, like he has, you know, Frank has a positive wingspan, but the thing that Hardy doesn't has that Frank doesn't have is just simply a better acumen for oh my God. offensive Frank, basketball. Frank looks like he's still learning to play basketball and Hardy just, <laughs> he's, he's got that. Amazing, I, I, I mean, not that maybe he is. I make fun of know, Hooper shit all the time, but like Hardy is a basketball player. He knows how to play basketball. He's going to learn the finer points, hopefully over time, but his confidence is what makes the difference between like his game right now versus Josh Green as a rookie. For sure. And I think sorry, you look at guys like Giannis, Pascal, Joel Embiid, who started learning basketball at sixteen. Yep. Which is a lot later than if you look at most NBA guys, like Luca started learning basically when he was very young. Even Hardy, I'm sure, learned when he was very young. And so for those guys to make it at an elite level, it's very difficult. And I'm sure Frank kind of had the same difficulties, right? And so having played basketball for a long time, like you, you have some innate ability to improve yourself and make something different. And I think I was always more positive on Hardy, especially, you know, it's a second round pick. Like it's not, it was not the 26 pick, which, you know, there were rumors they would have gone for him then. And obviously they weren't, they weren't going to, but it's a, it's a low, low round, like a low pick. Like oh, I mean, who else been, were you going to get? 37. I mean, yeah, my, he should my, not have. That's the thing. He should not have. I mean, like Max Christie, who's a fine player, was taken yes. over him. And like there's other guys who were taken over him who were fine players. But it, at, at 37, it was like there was no reason not to take him at that point. I mean, my, like, my friend Kevin O'Connor told me he had him kind of in like the 17 to 22 range, which once you get outside like the top five, to a, there's some drafts where it's like, okay, what's going to happen? I mean, Desmond Bain might be the best player of his drafts, and I think he was picked 31. So Tyrus Halliburton. Okay, yeah, you're right. Hal, and, and he was picked like 12. And so he was 13. He was. Yeah. So like, yeah, exactly. Like you just don't, you never know what a draft ends up being mm-hmm. like. And um, I, I don't think that's necessarily this draft. I do think the the top 10 in this draft is pretty good. Um, minus the Wizards, man. God, <laughs> the fact that like I'll say simply, I'm just glad he's not the Wizards pick because oh boy, oh boy, I would not want to be a Wizards fan right now. But you know, it, it's what it is. Like you talked about at the beginning of the season, you just want to be able to see Hardy like 
He just needs to be able to play. And he clearly was above the stature of the G League. And he took – I think the positive thing was it's not like he became a second-round pick and then was like, oh, I shouldn't be here. Like, he took – I'm glad he had such a great attitude about it and worked his butt off and has clearly improved a lot. And so it, it's just awesome to see. It's, it's something positive that we haven't seen for a long time, right? It's something that I think everyone was so frustrated with Josh – for a long time because we just never saw anything like this from Josh at the very beginning. And, well, Josh, like, well, Josh was such a difficult, you know, in hindsight, I was very too hard on, but Josh was the wrong pick for COVID for the Mavericks for so many reasons at the time. Yeah. And he's, the I, fact I that he's worked out is really a testament to him. Yeah. And, and I think that's the positive thing. Right. And I think we're, I'm not going to rehash the old kind of stuff, but it's really positive to see the two youngest guys on the squad. Are they the youngest guys? I think they are. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, who have just really taken their attitude and said like, I'm just going to work on it. Whatever the circumstances are, that's what they are. And they're improving and where they go, who knows, but it's just really cool to have something positive outside of Luca um, be there. And I think that's kind of the main thing is for, you know, for all the trade talk for Bohion, for me, a really important thing is just get younger. Like, yeah. I, I'm not necessarily that, trading. That's a great – I, the Mavs are already a hell of old team. We can't – Yeah. And, yeah. And I'm not saying, like, you go and you just immediately trade everyone. But I'm saying if you're going to make moves, going for guys who are younger, I think, is ultimately going to pay better dividends because – even if they fail, they're still young players. And theoretically, someone always wants to take a chance on someone who is younger than, than a guy who's in his 30s. That's right? True. Like, it just always makes sense. Like, you know, we, we talked about this offseason. Like, why would you go for JaVale when you could have gone for someone like Jalen Smith in yep. Indiana, who maybe is not as good, like he doesn't have the resume, but is a lot younger. Like, you take the shot on potential, especially when it's these low-risk moves. And even when it's the bigger moves, right? Yep. Even if you talk about a second superstar, like you just go for the younger player because potential, it's why people draft. It's why people well, draft. Well, if, if you it's think why... you can win the title, you do what you can to win the title that year. And the, the sticking point for me that I'm going to try to reconcile, particularly as the Ma- if the Mavericks rack up more wins, is do I think this team can win the title? And I my pin tweet as I mentioned, was I'm going to have to reconcile these two things. Because I just, I I love them being where they are. I also think they can be higher. I also don't think they can win the title. Yeah, I I, I don't agree. think it's crazy I mean, either. No, I, I don't think you're crazy either. I came in this season worried. So if you can't um, win the title, what are you trading anything for? That, exactly. You know, I think, that's I, I think we've, we've kind of mentioned the whole time. This is an eat your medicine type of year. But they're, but, but they're fourth in the West, so how much... But that's what I'm know, saying. Medicine if you, apparently if, hasn't been that bad. Yeah, if eating your medicine is, you know, top four in the West, like, that's not a bad season. Yeah. Like, why would you go out and, and trade... Look at this. Look at, like, like, compare situations. If you were in the Lakers spot, why would you th- trade a first-round pick? The yep. Lakers are not even in the play-in. Yep. And they haven't traded a first-round pick. Now, their draft situation is much worse, where they're probably going to give up Victor, Victor Wembanyama to the Pelicans, which that's a whole nother situation, but you know, it doesn't make sense to do something like that. And I would hope that the front office is smart enough. Now who knows we'll we'll see, Um, but 
I, I'm just glad that there is some positive uh, youth around this team and not just Luca is like the only thing right now. And yep. it's not to say that everything has to be dumped on those young guys, but it's just that you can see where these young guys actually fit also, right? Like sure. uh, it's not just youth, but Luca, since he's not, you know, the most traditionally athletic, I like to say, uh, it's it's really good to have these guys who are just more traditionally athletic than Luca because those are the players that I, I think ultimately would fit a lot better. Yeah. Um, I don't really have much to say. I want other people to come on. But you didn't have much to say. You've been up here for 15 minutes. You're hilarious. I, I mean, I don't want to say it much more. <laughs> this is what I should say. This is what thank I should you, say. Krishna. I would have kicked no, you if I didn't you. like the conversation. You'd be good. <laughs> thank you. You have a good night, Kirk. Yep, you too. Um, one of the things that I think that that my positions throughout the year had been like, if if Hardy was playing a lot, then things have gone bad for the Mavericks. I do think I have some writing somewhere where it's just like, if they increase his minutes and the Mavericks are winning along the way, that's a great thing. I just did not see a universe where that would have happened. Um, so this is is nice. It's it's really nice and. Not to sound like Nico Harrison, but, you know, uh, getting back uh, Dorian Finney-Smith and Josh Green soon is, is going to be like getting a pair of free agents. Um, coming up next, let's go with my man, Mr. Pearson. How are you doing this evening? I always happy when the Mavs win, Kirk. How are you? That's, I, that's right. That's exactly right. Yeah, um, I was looking at uh, the Western Conference standings, and um, right now – I mean, if the, if, the, if the playoffs were to happen right now, uh, I think Dallas would have a – I would make a strong argument for Dallas to, to make the, the finals, NBA finals, because the Nuggets would have to play the Trailblazers and the, the um, Grizzlies would have to play the Clippers and then the Pelicans would have to play the Warriors. And um, I think two of those bottom three seeds teams would, would end up winning and the Mavericks would play the Kings. So um, if – Dallas could kind of hold position if everything stays the same right now. Which I think a lot of those teams. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Season's yeah. too long. It is. It is. It is. But uh, but definitely, I, I'm just I'm just thinking a lot of these teams, even at the end of the in the, of the regular season, a lot of these teams are going to beat themselves. So hopefully, Dallas comes back healthy, and a lot of these teams just kind of keep playing good, like the Warriors, if they kind of stay in that position. Uh, they're going to play spoiler, so um, just staying optimistic. And I think that one thing that Kid may not do, which I hope he does, but he may not do, is really coach um, Hardy up to where he needs to be. Um, I think one thing that that uh, uh, Coach Rick did well is, you know, he, he coached a lot of his talent up. If you remember back whenever Devin Harris first came, um, he was kind of raw talent. Um, I think that, you know, he missed a lot of shots and I think over a couple of years, Rick kind of, you know, helped him become more of a facilitator Which guy? and uh, Devin Harris. Gosh, I'm trying to remember. Uh, I think 08 was one of those years that uh, I did not get to watch a ton. I remember being very mad that uh, uh, Carlisle, no, not Carlisle, Avery Johnson didn't play Jason Kidd. <laughs> that was my time. Anyway, go ahead with your points. Yeah, but um, he he had kind of made him more of a facilitator than just the raw talent. Um, and I think that's around it. I think another example, I, I could be wrong, but I think another example of kind of, you know, he, whenever he kind of instituted the um, the deep threat offense is, you know, he kind of uh, helped 
Jason Terry improve his, his long game, um, become more of a deep threat, him and the other players. So that was kind of him being able to pull the guys off off the court, you know, working with them uh, off the court and kind of getting them into a position where they were better players. So at the end of Jason Terry's, you know, career, he's more of a deep threat when he had the, you know, athleticism. And I think that coaching is, is definitely uh, integral. And um, I just, I don't, I don't see kid really coaching up Hardy to where, you know, his potential needs to be. Well, I'm still pretty open-minded there. I think giving guys opportunities is key and that he seems to have slow. And, and he's, again, we, we talked about this, but it's worth repeating as many times as possible is that he's getting, you know, he's, he's doling out opportunities in a way that seem to be, built on Hardy getting positive experience and positive feedback. You know, the green, it seemed to be the case earlier this year too. You know, green started off the year, drove me nuts. These first 10 games where every time green would do something positive, like, Oh, look, he dribbled without dying. And everybody would want to give him like a sucker and a star and a, and a sticker. And I'm just like, okay. And then, you know, he, he starts playing enough minutes where he's getting like 25 minutes a game instead of like 12. In the 25 minutes a game, he's scoring eight points and, you know, getting a couple of deflections. It's, it's building somebody up slowly, and I, I like that because most rookies and younger players simply don't impact things. So if you can find a way to develop them and still win, I think it's pretty important. It definitely is. Um, and I think Hardy um, did well tonight. One reason why is because they didn't have all the stars in. But then, kind of like you said, he, he didn't get snatched. Um, a lot out of the game, mm-hmm. um, definitely confidence. And I would like to see him play more of the um, – well, it's hard to say the teams that don't do well because Dallas gets smashed all the time. My teams don't do well. But um, not really just garbage minutes, but kind of like games like this where you have a game that really means something, but then there's not as many starters on the on the court because the game probably wouldn't be as big as as it would be with, you know, with Zion and other guys on the, on the court. Um Kind of helping him build up around talent that's kind of closer to what he is as, as compared to, you know, more of the superstars to where he could get, you know, get a feel of the game playing against people that's kind of equal to him. Yep. Well, thanks so much for joining us as always. All right. Thanks, Kirk. Maybe tomorrow night because we play the Thunder. All right, Harrison, welcome back. Welcome to the show. What's going on tonight? Give Harrison a second to find that unmute. How are you doing? Hey, can you hear me? Can. Okay, awesome, man. Thanks, man. Well, I, I just so I spend way too much time thinking and caring about the Mavericks, as I'm so sure do you do. Um, <laughs> and so, about ninety percent of my time is spent cursing Jason Kidd. I don't know if that's your experience, but and there's a couple things that to me drive me wild, and I was just kind of curious your thought process on this. The first one is. The NBA is so different than the NFL, for example, because you have so fewer players on the court at a time, right? So you think about how greatest coach of all time, NFL, Luka Belichick, he brings players into a system and he forces them to play his system. And if you don't do it, you're gone. Yep. And that works because there's 12 players, you know, or there's 11 players are on his side of the field, right? And so there's a very specific system. And I find it fascinating. Kid approaches the NBA in the same way in the sense of, Hey, Wood, you don't get starting minutes unless you know how to defend, which would make sense 
if he wasn't the second best player on our team who needed to be playing minutes. And so I'm going to bring it back to Hardy in the same boat. Someone mentioned earlier about how McKinley Wright, you know, he got benched from McKinley Wright. First of all, I, the fact that kid thinks McKinley Wright's a good defender blows my mind because watching McKinley Wright, he's, he's pesky. But if you actually watch the Lakers game was the best example, three or four times, he just falls asleep and dudes get backdoor cuts on him and he gets bullied in the post. He's not actually a good defender, he's but yeah, he's, he's an awful, you know, he's pesky for five eleven. but looking at Hardy, there's things where I almost want to shake kid and go, you know, that two points defended is only the same value is two points scored. And so when you look at Reggie Bullock, when he's in these moments where he can't do anything, and this is why I think so many Mavs fans get so frustrated with Kidd, is this mindset of we're a defensive team. Mm. And so we want defenders on the court. Compared to this mindset of, hey, Reggie Bullock is a negative on the court currently. And Hardy, realistically, can't defend very well. But the fact that he may score four points over the next 10 minutes makes him better than Reggie Bullock and he needs to be playing in those minutes. I'm not arguing for him starting. I just think it's fascinating to watch Kid, and to me it's the he really is a football coach coaching basketball of this is the system I want to play. And the best coach, and my general rule of thumb with any coach in basketball is if you realize something significantly later than fans, you're doing a bad job. And so if you're supposed to be a brilliant basketball mind, it shouldn't take you four games longer to realize Javel McGee should never see a, a basketball court again. Well, I mean, he shouldn't have been. You should figure team. it out quicker. He should have been on the team. No, the for sure. Isaiah Hartenstein is the guy that should have gone after. Well, he would have fit really well. Time. Could have made a lot of passes. No, but I mean, just originally, if they would, I think if they would have approached him with the same offer as would or as McGee right off the bat, I think there's a good chance they would have signed him. Um, just being aggressive, but and, and that could be wrong. But I just think it's fascinating watching Kelly going, man his focus on being defensive oriented takes all these guys that have a lot of promise and have a lot of ability and it keeps them from getting on the court, which is wild to me. Well, we got a, one of our guys at Mavs Moneyball named Matthew Phillips has a, has a theory that kid knows what his best and his most opportune lineups are, but plays things that he wants to tinker with for the first 20 to 25 games and knows he has a release valve to go to because he did it last year too. (laughs) Like they would not start Brunson. Like it was very clear within about 15 games that Brunson was the straw that stirred the drink while, while chunky McBuckets and Luka Doncic just wasn't able to get his shit together despite, you know, he had good numbers, but inefficient numbers. Um, Sure. And he did that. He did the same thing. And, and it's like, finally, when he goes to it, it's like, Oh, okay. This is, this is the work. And, I hate it because I can't believe he would actually do it, but I also think there's a little bit of validity to it because over an 82-game season, I think you want to have something to build towards. And I do think we kind of underestimate. Like, I don't particularly like Jason Kidd as a basketball coach. That's not news. But the record is what the record is, and I would credit more of that to Luca than to Kidd, but, you know, that's you still sure. got to give him something here. And the notion that over an 82 game season that you got to build towards something we're heading towards this one season 1.5 of them building. And I just can't ignore that fact because you, know, you watch like the Celtics who are hotter than fish grease for 20 games. And granted, they're still obviously outstanding, but then when they cooled off, it was a real bumpy middle. The bucks are having a real bumpy middle. 
Um, I I think the Grizzlies are a team that's going to, it's going to have a bumpy go of things because they don't have a half court offense. Whereas the Mavericks are just built to, they're they're like a rolling stone down a hill. You're going to gather up that moss and, I'm not particularly positive. Y'all have heard me be a grumpy shit for years. And I just, it's hard for me to ignore this stuff. You know, maybe if they get the crap kicked out of them yeah. three or four times in the next several weeks, I don't know. But right now I'm like, I'm just in the point where I feel that despite all of my issues, things are working and I, I, I can't ignore that. Well, and I think to your point, I think kid may be a really good macro coach and a really bad that. micro yeah. coach. Yeah. Um, and, and there's so many times and we've seen it over and over again in late game situations, or even the next game the other day where Randall picks up his fourth foul in the third quarter. And then suddenly you put Dwight Powell on the floor, someone that can't attack him. Yeah. And you're going, what are you doing? I think that's, what's so frustrating is to your point, it's hard to argue that the last half have been bad. Mm-hmm. He's done things that we've been furious at Carlisle for not doing for a long time. And he walks right. and does his things. But at the same time, you, I think what's so hard is minute to minute going. I think today I maybe could have coached a better game than kid. And I think a lot of us feel that a lot of days. And today I felt literally in, at the end of the game going, dude, are you going to somehow lose us this game against the Pelicans? Cause you waved the white flag three minutes earlier than they did. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Like leave two more guys in there, which I wanted to and, get mad at that too. And then I'm looking at who's they have left to play. It's like, they got to get Luca rest. If, oh, if, no, no, it makes yeah. sense. It totally makes sense. And I'm not – Luca wasn't even the one I wanted in. I'm like, sure. dude, just leave Christian Wood in. Leave someone in that can catch the ball and shoot with it instead of, you know, three guys that every time they catch the ball you think they're allergic to it. Like, oh, no. Anyway, I don't yeah. – I'll, I'll hand over my time, but I appreciate you looking at me talk, man. No, that's a great, great conversation. It's, it's the most interesting one because I get a fair amount of flack from people about my kid takes. And I just – I know some stuff – is what it is. I don't know if it'll last long term, but right now it's just it's hard to ignore. They they're twenty three and seventeen, six games above five hundred. I don't know at what point it took them a while to get to six games over five hundred last season. Um, and and this is just this is nice. So we'll be back tomorrow night. Uh, they play the Oklahoma City Thunder at six p.m. I'm gonna run this one tomorrow morning. Uh, well, you know, these always get less downloads than our, than our normal recap podcast. I don't, I don't know why it's a, everybody should listen to these. These are fun. Um, but we'll be back and hopefully we'll be, be, you know, talking about how the Mavericks have won nine of 10. It'd be really great. Um, but we'll, we'll see what, what happens here. All right, guys, Kirk Henderson, Mavs money, youth ball. This has been Mavs party. Everyone have a great Sunday and we will talk soon. Bye guys.